Perfect. So this is a, a one-shot, a one-shot lesson I plan on doing, not something week after week. This is just one shot. did this a few months ago for our young adult class. This is the topic of dispensationalism. You could call it the seven dispensations. And essentially, it's how God deals with different people at different times throughout history. And we're going to get this morning a very big overview of the entire Bible and the entire you know, plan that we know that has been revealed to us um, of God's plan. And I hope it gives you a big picture idea. And many times when we come and we hear preaching and hear teaching, it's a little segment over here, it's a little segment over here, a little segment over here. And it's sometimes hard to link them all together and see it all come together. And so that's what today's lesson is planning on being about, is about this idea of dispensation. So what is dispensation? It's a method of interpreting history that divides God's work and his purposes towards mankind in different periods of time. In short, it means that God deals with different people at different times in different ways. You can't read through the Bible to see that there has been a change in the way that God deals with people. Of course, salvation has always been the same. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Yes, but God's plan for individuals and his, his goals for individuals have been different throughout history. So it's the divine administration of a period of time. Each dispensation is divinely appointed age, and dispensationists believe in the literal interpretation of Scripture and that there is a difference between Israel and the church. The church has not taken the place of Israel. God still has a plan for Israel. There are still promises that have been unfulfilled to Israel. They were not conditional promises. They were unconditional promises that that the Lord Jesus Christ was would sit on the throne of David. That would be one of them. Another one is that the nation of Israel would acquire all the land, all of the land that God had promised them, and they have never actually done that. And so we know that he is going to pick up his program with that in the future. I've stressed recently on Wednesday nights as we've been talking about the pre-tribulational rapture, and we've been talking about the tribulation as well. And eventually, maybe, Lord willing, about the millennial reign of Christ. I've been stressing the importance of the literal interpretation of Scripture. How you interpret the Bible is so, so important. We believe that the Bible means what it says. Means what it says, unless it stresses otherwise. This Wednesday night, we're going to look at some examples of that. Is where John was describing the vision that he was seeing. And it says many different places, chapter 9 specifically, and I saw as it were. That's a great example of it saying, well, that's not exactly what's going to happen, but this is the best way to describe what's going on. So I saw as it were. And so those are some good, good thoughts, but literal interpretation of Scripture is very important. So that's how we come up with dispensationalism. The opposite um, of that is covenant theology, where a lot of Reformed theology folks hold to that, and they view that because Israel turned away from God, that God has now turned all those other promises pretty much over to the church, and we have taken the place of Israel, but that's just, it's just not true. So the seven dispensations, here they are in summary. We'll, I'll list them all so that you have a good view of them, and then, and then we will look at them in depth a little bit. So innocence, we have conscience, human government, promise, the law, Grace and the millennial reign of Christ. 
Let's look at the dispensation of innocence. What is this about? Well, it starts out at the beginning. The dispensation covered Adam and Eve in the garden. As you can understand by the word innocence, it's referring to, to how they were when God placed them there. They were innocent. They didn't, they didn't know sin. God's commands to them were, in Genesis 1 and 2, was to replenish the earth. Replenish the earth. Now, when you think of the word replenish, you think, well, that kind of assumes that there was something here already and that we're redoing it. Like almost as if when Noah, when Noah got off the ark and they were to replenish the earth. But that's not, when you look back at the history and the meaning of the word, it means replenish to fill. The reason I stress that is because there's groups out there who push a pre-Adamic race, that there was other people that were around before Adam and before Eve, and that God destroyed those people, and they have a whole big theory about the devil. It's, it's a whole lot of grabbing out of thin air. And when you look back at the meaning of the word replenish, when it's used there in Genesis, it means to fill, to fill. So they had a command from God to fill the earth. They also had a command from God to subdue the earth, subdue the earth. Do I think that we should misuse and abuse the resources that God has given us? Should we do that? Absolutely, absolutely not. Do I think we should try to limit pollution as much as possible? Absolutely. But all this, in my, my opinion, I believe that God knows God allowed us to subdue the earth. Everything that's going on, I believe, is not the climate change that's claiming to be out there is not is not man-made climate change. It's natural climate change. And we're using the resources that God has given us. And uh, Adam and Eve definitely do that when they were working in the garden. They were to have dominion over the animals. It's interesting that, you know, animals, they automatically have a fear of man inside of them. Now, you won't see that if you go on YouTube and you watch a bunch of shark videos attacking people. But generally speaking, animals are afraid of humankind. God has put that, I believe, inside of them. And when you usually walk up to a, to a snake, they usually run away. If you see a bear in the woods, unless you corner it or get near its babies, it's scared. It's scared and it runs away. Even Pastor Bill talks all these times about going down and scuba diving and getting around these sharks. And there is some sort of a fear of man that God has placed inside the animal kingdom, and we were to have dominion over them. Eat more chicken. <laughs> Care for the garden was another one. Care for the garden, they had work to do. So even when there was no sin, there was work. There was work. I find that I'm most happy when I have accomplished things in my life. That's what I find. There's been days, especially around COVID, when I had COVID about a month ago, three, four weeks ago, I did not feel good. I sat around, I mean, not feel good, not because of COVID, but I didn't feel good because I wasn't really doing anything productive. I wasn't working. Not that I'm not working my eight to five job. I'm just talking about even at my own home, I'm not even busy doing anything because I was, you know, overly tired and just didn't feel like I accomplished anything. And it was miserable. It was not fun. It was not enjoyable. Right, Miss Pam? She knows. All right. And abstain from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had a command from God to stay away from it. God provided them the best, the best resources, the best place. And of course, they couldn't stay away. The dispensation of conscience, 
This dispensation lasts about 1,600 years, spans from the expulsion of Adam and Eve from the garden all the way to where the flood, the great flood happens with Noah. So this area of conscience is 1,600 years. And there's five aspects of this, Genesis 3 through 8. There was the curse of the serpent. I'm not sure if you've ever done a little research into the curse of the serpent. I'm not into a bunch of uh, hearsay things. I'm not into a bunch of, let's say, uh, human speculation. If the Bible doesn't speculate, don't, uh, you know, don't, uh, I don't know what the phrase is, but don't assume. Don't take it as if it's truth. And the curse of the serpent, I think a lot about serpents because I hate them. And we had five, five snakes made their way out in the gym last, the last week of school or something. It was just laying out there. So Thomas and I, we had to go take care of them. Fun. The curse of the serpent. And we know the curse of the serpent was that on his belly thou shalt go. So there was a curse. So the serpent, I, I think, I don't think there's any speculation in it. I think that for it to be cursed to go on its belly and to have to eat dirt and make its holes in the ground, it had to come from, it had to have a, a better life before that. When I did a study, just I happened to be looking one day for pictures for the... I happen to be looking for pictures for the story about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And while I was looking through it, I saw, you know, these serpents pictures with, you know, drawn serpents that had like wings on them. And, you know, they had legs and all sorts of things. And I thought, what in the world is that about? And it was right with that time period about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And so I went and I did a little research into... Uh, the word and the origin of the word that was used in the fiery serpents, the word, and the word cherub came up, the word cherub came up, and possibly angel, wings, flying, is it possible that snakes flew before? Isn't that a scary thought? That is a scary thought. I'm not saying that that's what it was, don't take that to the bank, I just thought that that was maybe interesting, and imagine being a creature that maybe flew in the air, and then being cursed to slither on the ground. That would be that'd be pretty big. That'd be a pretty big curse. Possibility, who knows? Interesting is for sure. The curse of childbearing, childbearing before the curse was not uh, difficult. But after that, um, Heather, a few more weeks. We'll give you an update after the fact. The curse of nature and the thorn and the thistle and nature began to go against man. There's difficulty of work and what you get in this life generally you got to work hard for nothing comes easily the promise that Christ see Genesis 3:15 this is the first glimpse that there was a savior that was going to come and save the world from their sin Genesis 3:15 says that um, the serpent the seed of the woman is going to is going to crush the serpent's head and it's going to bruise her heel and gives us an inclination of what Christ was going to do in the future. Is that the only thing that Adam and Eve knew was that one little verse? I don't know. Maybe the whole story is not recorded there. We don't know every little detail that God ever told Adam or that God ever told people. And so there's possible that they had more of an understanding than what we think, that God just gave them a little hint back there in one little verse. Uh, there's possibility that he told them what was going to happen. I, who knows? Human government. After the flood, God made the following promises and commands to Noah. We know that as time progressed on, Genesis chapter uh, 6, that 
the world became more wicked, that every thought of the imagination of man's heart was only evil continually, and God determined that he was going. See, I thought <laughs> we need somebody soft-spoken in there. Anyway. And God destroyed the earth because of the sin of man. He was totally 100% justified in doing so. May we never point the finger at God and say he was not just for doing that. He absolutely 100% was. And after that, God gave some commands to, to Noah and his children and their family. And we enter into the human government. And it's that God is not going to curse the earth again, specifically with a flood, worldwide flood. Noah and his family, they are to replenish the earth with people. God was starting over. Genesis, by the way, is a book of beginnings beginning of the human race, beginning of an Adam and Eve, beginning of sin. Here we have another beginning, uh, beginning of a new group of people. They shall have dominion over the animal creation, very similar to what Adam and Eve went through in the beginning of the Garden of Eden. They were allowed to eat meat. There was a law of capital punishment established. I wish we would go back to that. I wish we would go back to that. I believe it would stop a lot of crime. I believe God weighs, God's way is the best way. There's never going to be another worldwide flood and sign of promise. God's promise will be the rainbow, not how it is being used today. Specifically, this month makes me just want to throw up. Every time I turn around, I feel that I see, you know, it's just evil people shaking their fists in the face of God is really what it is. Then we have the dispensation of promise. It started with Abraham, ended in Exodus with the children of Israel from Egypt, and it lasted around 430 years. From Abraham would come a great nation, and that God would bless with natural and spiritual prosperity. The nation of Israel, starting with Abraham, had a special place in God's program. It was a special group of people that was separate, separate from the rest of the world. The Bible makes it clear as well that it was not because they were some great people. I mean, they were not really the ones that you would have picked. It'd be like picking the, the, last, the last kid lining up to play dodgeball. That's who, that's who Israel was. They were not something, but God chose them anyways. And God would make Ab uh, Abraham's name great. God would bless those that blessed Abraham's descendants and curse those that cursed them. That's why it's so important that America stands with Israel, and regardless of what America does, I'm standing with Israel, and you can stand with Israel, and I just saw some the other day, just made me upset, and horrible, horrible about that whole situation, and in Abraham, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed, and this is, of course, fulfilled in Jesus Christ and his work of salvation, and little did Abraham know, when God's telling these promises, he's saying that you're your children, you know, are going to be as the stars in heaven looking up there. Wow, I'm sure there was not there was not really light pollution back then, and they could get a really good glimpse about what the heavens look like, and it was absolutely 100% gorgeous. And he looked up there and probably saw hundreds of thousands of maybe millions of stars. What? Little did he know what God was going to do through him. Let me say this, little do we know what God can do through each one of us if we just say, okay, God, just like Abraham said, he believed God. The Bible says he believed God. And look all what happened. 
And really, if we just believe God, trust him, God is going to do things that outlast us by years and years and years. And hopefully on the other side, we get to look back and we get to see all the ways that God uh, used us. And one of the promises was not that he was just going to have a bunch of children. He was talking to an old man at that time and, and who did not have any children. But the promise that he probably had no idea about was that all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through Abraham. What does that mean? That means that Jesus Christ, Genesis 3.15, which we just read, Jesus Christ was going to come through the line of Abraham. And the gospel has literally gone all around the world to almost every nation. I mean, there's, there's almost nowhere you can go on the planet that there is not some representation of Jesus Christ. Literally, all nations of the earth are blessed through the line of Abraham. And people are saved, and they come to the saving knowledge of faith through Jesus Christ. And all started back there with Abraham and his choice to obey with God. And the sign of the covenant that he chose for the Israel males was the sign of circumcision. The covenant, which was repeated to Isaac and Jacob, is confined to the Hebrew people and the 12 tribes of Israel. We move on to the dispensation of law. And this dispensation lasted around 1,500 years and went from the exodus of the people out of uh, Egypt to the death of Christ. And during this dispensation, God dealt specifically with the Jewish nation through the Mosaic Covenant or law. And this dispensation involved 613 laws. 613 laws. You could maybe say give or take one or two. That's a lot of things that you have to follow. That is a lot. That is an overwhelming task. We would almost say an impossible task. Impossible task. The temple worship was directed by priests, which is sacrificing, and we have the prophets. They spoke on the behalf of God. Back to the 613 laws. When we see that, God was trying to show something to the nation of Israel that they couldn't do it on their own. It doesn't take long for, trying to, for folks trying to be faithful to church, trying to read your Bible every day, trying to maybe be a faithful witness, trying to keep all the commands. Let's just, let's just go from the New Testament here, the New Testament, the New Covenant, trying to keep all the things that Christians are supposed to do. It doesn't take long for anybody to realize, I can't do it. This is an impossible task. 613 is definitely impossible. It's an impossible task. He was showing them that they needed a savior. And he was also giving them a right way to live. And he had specific reasons why he did some of the ceremonial laws and the cultural laws that he had. There was reasons behind that. But the overwhelming purpose was to simply show that they needed Jesus Christ to come. And, we, and, it's, and it's so heartbreaking to see that they got so off track from that and even to this day, they're trying to still keep those 613 things. Jesus summed it up when he said, the two great commandments is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind. And he said, the second is like unto it. He said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he says, in this hang all the law of Mo Moses and the prophets. So what he was saying was, you can take all 613 of those and you can summarize them in those two things. Love God with all of your being and love others the way you love yourself and you'll fulfill all 613 13 of those. Those won't be, even be a problem for you. Because I guarantee you if, you 
if you love God, you're not going to have any other gods before him. If you're if you love God, I guarantee you you're going to meditate on the things of God and you're going to uh to to show up like remember the Sabbath day that you're going to show up to to his house when it's time. I believe that if you are treating other people the way you want to be treated that you're not going to steal from them. You're going to deal honestly with them. What what truth? What truth? But they missed it. They totally missed it. And we move on now to the dispensation of grace. Sometimes this is referred to as the age of grace or the church age. It began with the new covenant of Christ's blood and will be finished at the rapture of the church. Let me say this. It's always been about grace. What I just mentioned. It's always been about grace. Even though this dispensation is sometimes categorized as the age of grace, maybe the church age might be a better better terminology for it to not confuse people. But Salvation has always come only through Jesus Christ. All the way back to Abraham. Abraham believed God. I don't think Abraham was a fool. I think he knew why he was sacrificing. I think he understood that it wasn't the sacrifice of some bulls and goats and animals that were going to take away sin because those could never possibly pay for sin. He understood that there was a Messiah coming to some degree. And he believed God and was saved. And so people have always been saved through a belief that now we are looking back to Jesus Christ for salvation and what he did on the cross. But those people before Jesus came, they were looking forward to it. But both was by grace, unmerited favor that we don't deserve. So this dispensation of grace, which we are in at this moment, it includes man's responsibilities to believe in Jesus, the Son of God. We also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and we have God's work is done through local churches. That's God's prerogative for this age at this time, is that the message of Jesus Christ gets all around the world. We share it with everybody we possibly can, and that's done through the local church. I appreciate other organizations, and I'm not super hard on them. Uh, Like, let's say, Pregnancy Resource Center is, is a parachurch organization. They partner with churches. That's that's good, and I'm happy that they do it because there's not churches that are doing it. But God's way is that churches are the ones that ministries are funneled through, okay? And we help out the Pregnancy Resource Center because we love what they're doing, and nobody else is really out there doing it. It's wonderful. But it's best if ministries are gone through local churches. And we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is which is so vital, so so important, so underutilized. In our Christian life, it's it's unbelievable. And we move on to the last one here, is the dispensation of the millennial reign of Christ. This dispensation lasts for a thousand years. It's going to be a wonderful thousand years. The kingdom will fulfill the prophecy to the Jewish nation that Christ will return and be their king. When Jesus first came and he was going to be, and he was came as the Messiah, as the sacrifice, the lamb, the disciples, they were hoping he was coming as the lion. They wanted to come. They wanted him to come and free them from the, from the Roman government that had been subduing them. And that Israel, for, for once in history, was going to be at the top. And God was going to make all things right. And that he was going to be their God. And, and they were going to be his people. But this was coming later. And that's going to happen at the millennial reign of Christ when he establishes his kingdom 
And the only people allowed to enter into the kingdom are the born-again believers that were raptured at the end of the church age, the righteous survivors of the seven-year tribulation, and the resurrected Old Testament saints. Um, I believe, Pastor Lytel believes, and there's going to be a judgment uh, about the, the sheep and the goats. And you can read about that. I believe it's Matthew 25. And how people treated, you know, when you were, when I was hungry, you took me in. When I was sick, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And there's going to be some people who were uh, fav- who favored Christians during the tribulation period while Christ sets up. And so uh, that, that will carry on into the tribulation, I mean, into the millennial reign of Christ. And it'll be a wonderful time. This period ends with a final judgment. Before I get to that, let me say this. During this millennial reign of Christ, it's going to be a wonderful experience because the sin of curse is going to be reversed. It's going to be reversed slightly in and the lion is going to lay with the lamb. Children are going to go, and they're just going to go pick up a, a snake without having to worry about it biting them. And for once, God is going to this, be the supreme ruler and authority over the world. And he's going to rule and reign, and it's going to be a wonderful place for the righteous people. And after that, of course, it ends with one final judgment where a group of folks rise up to try to overthrow Christ as king does not end well for them. You can read it for yourself. And the old world is destroyed by fire. You're not taking anything out of this world, by the way. It's all getting burned up. You're not keeping any of it. Let's focus on spiritual things. And it's destroyed, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven, not referring to heaven, the place where God dwells. I go to prepare a place for you. Not that heaven, but we're talking about the outer space, everything, Mars, which they're trying to find some life form on right now. All that's going to be gone. That's going to be the new heaven, and a new earth is going to be established, and that is when eternity takes off, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. So those are the seven dispensations. Hope they gave you a little overview overview, uh, about the Bible, gave you a big picture idea. Let's pray, and we'll move over to the other service. Lord, thank you uh, for these few moments. We had to look over uh, this idea of dispensationalism, and as we look at the seven different ways that you have dealt with people throughout the history of the world, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, that when man sinned against you, that you didn't just let us go and and let us die, go to hell, but that you offered a way of salvation through Jesus Christ. May all that hear the message accept it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.